podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Rangers Rabble Breaking News Podcast. As everybody's probably seen by now on social media, Nathan Patterson has left Rangers and signed for Everton in a club record deal. I'll come to you first, Wolf. Did it just sort of feel a bit inevitable after the last couple of days? Yeah, I think we've just been we've just been counting down the hours until it was announced. Uh, I mean, Everton are obviously keen. I mean, they came in for him in the summer with two or three derisory bids. Um, so they're obviously very, very keen. I mean, I know they're, they don't really have a right-back as such, so I think you'll probably go straight into the starting team as well. Um, I think it's, it's a great deal for the lad, great deal for Nathan. I mean, he'll... He'll get a serious chunk of change every month in his, you know, in his bank account. So that's got got to be good for him, you know. It's also good for Rangers. I mean, we had to, we had to show people that we're not going to low, we're not going to lowball people when we sell them now. They're not going to get them for 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 buttons, yeah. and we had to sell somebody and to sell to bring in twelve million pound, most of it up front, I believe, without directly affecting the first team. That's a hell of a bit of business. Yeah. I'll come to you next, John. Um, in terms of the obviously the fee, is that such an important thing for Rangers to get that big fee for Nathan or do you think it didn't really matter as long as the first player that left went for that big fee? Aye, that's exactly what it is, as long as it was value for money because that's one thing that we've been terrible at doing um, and I think I don't think we can disagree too much, it's the one thing Celtic have kind of led the pathway on now, mm. Celtic have set the stall out and told people what they're worth um, Celtic, whilst we were in, not in the league got a few low ball players stolen from them and if you look at what Van Dijk went for for example but they've now dug their heels in with the likes of Tierney, Edwards, um, Dembele, and even Ayer coming into his last year's contract. So that's what we had to do. And the fact that we've got 12 million up front for a boy who would have had to wait two or three years. Like I've seen a few people say, is it the wrong time? Is it the wrong decision? Should it have been Parson? If we put Parson in the first team and drop Tavernier, for example, we'd be selling Parson next year without a right back backing him up. So... It was the right player for great money, and I think just everyone seems like it's, it's the right fit. I just listened to some of his interview there, um, and he's just talked about how, how much effort made it clear back in the summer. They wanted him to be a first-team starter right away, and I think that's what sold it for him. So I think it's, so it's, it's one of these ones where there's no animosity on any side, I don't think. I think it suits literally every party perfectly for this to go the way it's went. I'll come to you next, Brian. Obviously, now that Nathan's left... I know it seems a bit of a strange comment to make, but obviously it's not really hurting the first team in terms of obviously Tav's basically the first choice, he's the captain. Is it just one of those deals that John talks about that just makes a lot of sense for all parties involved? Excuse me. I, I think it does. I mean, as John was just saying there, the money's right. Nathan's obviously wanting to progress. He's wanting to play first-team football. Um, and Rangers have finally got a deal for a guy that's what he's worth. As John was saying, we've, we've low-balled up when we lost Gilmer for uh, pennies. We've lost a few other guys for basically nothing. So it's nice to get a, a good deal for a guy. And as, as you were saying, good luck to the guy because there's no animosity. He's a he's a great kid and we, we just wish him all the best. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I certainly echo those comments. I've obviously watched Nathan since he was kind of 15, 16. Um, he was very raw. And to be honest with you, he was quite small. You know, and I think that was one of the kind of worries with Nathan that he was quite small. But over the kind of next three or four years, you know, he gradually kind of grew a bit. He became a bit more physical. 
you could see that he had that sort of style with Alan Hutton. You know, he was very much sort of marauding up and down that side of the pitch. And in the end, when he made it into the first team, it probably wasn't that much of a surprise. But obviously, to see him go on to become the first choice for his country, the fact that whenever Tav was out of the team, Nathan came in and made it look very easy. You know, like he'd been doing it for years. You know, I wish Nathan all the very best. Well, when you look at, obviously, that money that the club's brought in and what we can do with it, do you think it's a no-brainer to then go out and sign another right-back? Or do you think that the club will look in-house to try and bring somebody in? I don't, I don't think we'll go out and sign another right-back um, as such, because you mean you've got Balogun who can, you know, who can deputise at right-back if if anything happens to Tav. If Tav gets injured, and so is Lottie, obviously he'll get injured at Pithodri. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so Balogun can fit in there. If we can get Ryan Jack fit, he's played at right-back. You know, um, to, to, to look at somebody in-house, you're probably talking about young Adam Devine in the B-team. And I like Adam, I think he's a terrific player from what I've seen of him. Uh, but I think it's a hell of a step up for the lad. Yeah. But it wouldn't do him any harm to get him involved in the squad, you know, get get him in and about the first team. I don't know if he's one of the guys that's been training with the first team, but I would certainly look at getting him in and about because he could be the next Nathan Parson coming through, you know. But I mean, to me, the the money that we brought in, we should be looking to increase the contracts of some of the guys that have got 18 months left, you know, rather, rather, than, rather than, than sitting saying, well, if they don't go in January, Come the summer, you've got guys like like Aribo, Kent. They've got eighteen. They'll have a year left by then. Let's try and get them tied tied into longer contracts so that if they go, we get serious money for them. Yeah, yeah for that was one of my next question to John. Do you think it's important that we now use this money to keep the important players at the club, like Kent, like Aribo, etc.? Or do you think that because there's a new manager in place, we might get into the transfer market and look to add a couple? I don't really think from what I've seen Van Bronckhorst do that we're look desperate to add players to the squad. I think he's still yes. trying to figure out who's what. Um, one, of, one of the real advantages of this uh, winter break being brought forward is Van Bronckhorst hadn't had a spare week. The first time we had yeah. a spare week was our last home game. So that was the first day with probably three training sessions in one week without a midweek game and all the rest period. So we don't know what Van Bronckhorst side might look like having had three weeks on the training ground and been able to actually implement his ideas because we'd seen very little until that St Murn game and it looked like everything had just been integrated in one one week. The pressing, everything looked good, everyone looked lively. And even Scott Wright's one of those fringe players still that's that's not even got the specific run on the side. I think the squad's really, really good. The only thing that worries me is this African Cup of Nations, which is going to take potentially three of our best players. Now, that's the only concern. But when you look at the squad we've got, I, I don't I don't think you'll sign a right back, as as Will said. You've got Hellander coming back. I know it'll take him weeks to get back into the full swing of things, but that then gives you your cover there. I know Jack Simpson's not exactly it, but you've got cover at centre-half if you need it. You have a basic move to left-back. I think it is what Will said. Tie down those contracts because that's investment in people that we're going to be able to sell on for even more money. And then we need to get into a cycle of how we then find a Nathan Patterson or a position within a youth team that's going to move in to our team mm -hmm. and we start really recouping and making Rangers an actual business model because... The one thing we don't like to admit is that we're going to we're going to need to be if we become self-sufficient, going to need to be a feeder club for English teams. That, that's realistically what we need to be doing with our players, is bringing them in young, developing them, even if that's people we sign, and selling them on for huge money. The thing with Parson that seems to be maybe a wee bit understated is he was at Rangers for like what 12, 13 years. He's been there since he was like seven, eight. That's a lot of time and money that the club puts in. 
to maybe get one player out of that generation. We should have had Gilmore that went for money as well. Yeah. But it costs millions to run your academy every single year, and you need to get the timing perfect. And even on this, we didn't get the timing perfect because we created a right back when we had our captain be our best player at right back. So there's going to come a time and place when Rangers are going to get the right player or the right two or three players for your team that come in in positions that we need and they're just going to take off. That's, that's really what's hindered us previously. So I'm hoping that I still think Stephen Kelly's one that we need to be pinning some hopes on, but it just seems like maybe a bit, a bit down the pecking order just now. But I don't expect us to spend the money. I think it's better spent on players' wages. No, I think you're spot on. and It's scary, you know, if Bully had signed his deal with Rangers and if you had sold Bully a couple of years down the line, I mean, I think Bully would have probably broke some type of record when he left Rangers. And I think that's a thing. And I know people, including myself, want to see more young players breaking through. But when you think about the talent that obviously Billy Gilmer's become, and I have no doubt that Nathan will go on and become a really good player at Everton, Aye. you know, to pick out like those two guys out the last kind of three or four years, the Rangers could have been looking at maybe 30 or 40 million pounds between the two of those guys, which is why the academy is so important. And we need to keep finding these gems. We need to keep obviously developing these type of players because it's basically the stronghold of the club. Isn't it? Like these guys aren't costing as much money as it would to go out and spend millions of pounds on a player. You know, a lot of the work's done in-house. And then if they develop enough into the first team and we sell them on, it's just pure profit. You know, like Alan Hutton was pure profit. Etc. And this is where the club has to go. And as John points out, Brian, in reality now, like, we need to bring players in, we need to develop them, and then more than often they are going to go to a top English club, aren't they? More often than not, yeah. Um, I think the good thing about this is though it shows all the youngsters at Rangers that there is a pathway to the first team, and if they do well, they will get bought if they're, if they're good enough. Um, I think that's obviously been a problem for a long time now, that we just haven't hardly put any youngsters in and it's just been old guys and old contracts but I mean as John's saying there the big the big ones now are the Rebos and the Kents we need to get them up signed and if somebody comes in for them then it's it's stupid money that we're asking for them It's interesting I'll not go into too much depth about obviously like the sort of potential new signers from America because I'm pretty sure none of the forays know a hell of a lot about them <laughs> Um, hopefully we're going to get somebody on that actually covers the MLS to maybe talk a little bit about them. In terms of the boy James Sands, I'll come to you, John. Um, he seems like quite a versatile player. Is that the sort of player that we need for the squad? Somebody that can maybe play centre back, right back, and in midfield. It can do. It can do a lot with Matt Poster. Does and to be fair, he's probably had a very similar season to Poster did with New England at New York. I only seen him in a couple of games. I seen him right. against Philly Union. He looked very tidy, but in that game against Phil Union, they had like 14 players out with COVID. So I reckon I could have slotted any midfield and looked pretty tidy <laughs> in that game. But but he looked, he looked technically really good. But the, the type of hands you would expect, I mean, Matt Poster never, he was never massively impressive, but he looked technically all right. Looked like a decent footballer. Moedu done a lot of the similar stuff. It looks like uh, James Sands can play, same area. Very type of similar upbringing, came through the college system, looks very, very tidy technically good it's just you can never tell Scottish League's so unique people take the piss out early league all the time you need to be switched on we get academy players for Man U Arsenal and they just can't cut it because it's so so fast you can have all the technique in the world and all the vision in the world but until some Scottish 18 year old midfielders run at you full pelt non-stop all game you're never going to know what people are cut out of man but yeah. he wants to join us um, he's had a good season he's won the MLS only see yeah I mean I'll 
I was actually talking to Wolf like prior to the podcast. When you look at the MLS now, there's clearly a lot of money invested in that league, and there's clearly a lot of young American talent now moving abroad. I think one of the players was it yesterday or today moved to the Bundesliga for about twenty million dollars. Which, let's be honest about it, you know, for a long time people mocked the MLS and said it wasn't the highest standards of leagues. But when you see them now signing like full Argentinian internationals at the age of 19 and 20, you know, like so the world's changing. And maybe we have to kind of look at these leagues and accept that, you know, if we can bring somebody like this kid in on an 18 month loan deal, Rangers will obviously pay a fee for that. But is that the sort of leagues that we need to start looking in now, Wolf? And maybe it's not just like your main leagues in Europe. We do have to look at America, maybe Mexico, etc. You know, is this just things that we have to accept moving forward that that's the sort of markets that we will look into? I'm not sure about Mexico. We've not got a great track record recently with Mexicans. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the North American leagues a lot seems to be a lot, a lot better than, as you say, um, it's given credit for. Uh, I mean, we've done a bit of this in the past because we've, we've been to uh, like sign players from Croatia and, and Austria and places like that, which aren't aren't really the, sort of the leagues that Scottish clubs tend to look at. Yeah. You know, but I, I think I think what we're, what we're doing with it with the you know the current director of football and hitting his team, they do seem to have a, a great con, a great network of contacts all over the place. You know, I mean, the, the only place I don't think we're really really tapping just now is Africa. Although we're getting African internationals, but we're signing them from elsewhere. So yeah. I think the net the net is, is out, but I mean I'd be a bit wary I'd be a bit wary of Mexico. I've still still scarred with Carlos Pena, but uh, <laughs> apart from that, like, yeah, I think yeah. No, I think it's a fair point. Obviously, the whole Mexican transfer thing with obviously Herrera and Pena probably didn't work out, but there is obviously a lot of talent in that country and a lot of really special young players. I'll come to you, Brian, just on a kind of quick point. See if you see Rangers being linked with players as guys that we don't really know. Do you think that worries supporters because maybe we don't see them in like La Liga, we don't see them in the Bundesliga? Not, not, um, not necessarily. I mean, just because we've not heard them doesn't mean they're not any good. Yeah. Um, it's we've, we've obviously got to just trust the scouting network and Ross Wilson and his team that they know what they're doing and they're going to scout these guys thoroughly and get value for, you know... Obviously, buy them buy them cheap and then do what they've done with Parson. But obviously, we didn't pay a fee for Parson. But similar sort of thing. We get these guys cheap. We we produce them and uh, develop them and then sell them on for big money. And that's just a continuous cycle. We just keep doing that. Right. I'll come round you all once more. Just with a quick question about this transfer window. Is it a fear that we maybe lose one other big player this window, Wolf? Or do you think that's just what's going to happen over the next? Six, twelve, eighteen months. That obviously, guys will move on, and we will replace them. Guys will certainly move on in the next six, twelve, eighteen months. Um, I'd like to think that the sale, the sale of Nathan Patterson for, for for twelve big ones to Everton will mean that we don't lose anybody else. But obviously, if a ridiculous bid comes in, I mean, if somebody comes in with say twenty million from Morelos, for example, you know, you can't turn that down. He won't want to turn that down. He'll be away. But it would have to be a ridiculous bid. I think that the, the guys that are currently what you would call first team regulars, I don't think we'll lose any of them unless, as I say, unless somebody comes in with a really, really silly bid. Brian, what about yourself? Is it a fear that we might lose like an Aribo or a Kent this month? Or do you think that one sale will be enough? Or is it just like one of those ones where if somebody comes in and offers a really large amount of money, we just can't turn it down? I would like to think with the 12 million will sort of keep everybody at bay, but as both just said there, if somebody comes in with an astronomical bid, it's just impossible to turn down. Um, 
I'd like to think there's nobody else going to go this window for big money, but <laughs> you can say that one day and then the next day there's a huge bid on the table. So it's just, you've just got to hope by the 31st of January that we, we've kept the core of the players and then obviously the summer takes care of itself because that's when everybody likes to do their business. Yeah. John, I'll come to you because I know you quite like being controversial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, when you look at obviously the fee that we've now got for Nathan, what does that make somebody like Aribo or a Ken or a Kamara worth to us now? Like, sort of, what are the ballpark figures do you think that an English club would need to offer us to take those players away? I think it really depends. I think Parsons maybe a wee bit more unique because he's got all that youth on his side and he's kind of yeah. thrown in. I think the biggest thing with Parson is playing for Scotland has probably increased his value tenfold as well, yeah. which which isn't happening for a whole lot. I mean, Kamara's been at Euros. I don't know how Kamara could be undersold for anything less than that. Now, I've never I've never really bought into that when I've seen people writing papers. and I've, I've even seen some Rangers people say that Kamara will maybe go for 10, 12 million. I'm like, in what world are we selling Glenn Kamara for 12 million pound? Like, like there's, there's, there's average English championship midfielders going for 20, 25 million. And that's what we're doing now. That, that is the ballpark. So, no, they, they, everything now is 15 million above. Nobody in that team, unless there's a massive drop in form from someone and just looks disinteresting, it's just all parties to get out. Our key players are going for 15 million plus every single time now, as long as they're within a contract. But even if Aribo and that didn't sign a deal in the summer and somebody came in, you'd still be going for that higher money and going, no, 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 it's 15 million for a Premier League club. That's what their going rate is. doesn't matter if it's 12 months. more valuable to us to keep them and run them out sometimes. Um, that, that's, what, that's what I'd be looking at. But I mean, Rangers are going to weigh this up. I'm with Wilf, I'm with Brian. This partisan deal was just was the one sale we had to do and it suited everyone. It wasn't hindering the first team. We get great money in, we can go secure contracts so we can continue and we should still be pushing for the title, even if we don't sign anyone. I think there might be a couple of pre-contracts we now know, we now go and try and get over the door. I know Suter keeps getting spoken about with yeah. Celtic, but I'd be very surprised if we're not looking at him. Very surprised if we're not looking at him. I think one of the points here, somebody saying Nathan Patterson could potentially be worth £30 million this time next year. Well, I think, yeah, again, that's why the club and a lot of the chat's been about also getting a sell-on fee. Yep. So when yep. you look at the money that Celtic got for Van Dyke, they pretty much got as much when they moved to Liverpool as they did when they yep. sold him. So with Nathan Patterson, if Rangers have got even 10, 15, 20%, I don't know what the fee is, we're obviously just kind of surmising here. But if Rangers get another three, four, five, six, seven million pounds for Nathan Patterson, it turns into a 20 million pound deal for a kid that had played, what, like 20 first team games. So. I think for us it's a no-brainer, and obviously we wish Nathan all the very best because he's, you know, he's a kid that's gone through the academy. He was a big Rangers fan, you know, like you saw that he enjoyed every time Rangers scored. He was always one of the first guys celebrating in the in the stands with the supporters. We wish him all the best in the future. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We're actually back tonight at seven o'clock with with another pod. This one has just been a quick throw-in because of what's happened. And if you stay with us as well, hopefully we'll have this interview with a guy who's been covering the MLS. We can talk a little bit about James Sands, if that deal is confirmed quite soon. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you all again very, very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.